Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Circa. Love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. Testies, testies. One, One two, two, three. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you. Yeah, we've never met. How's nice it going? to be here. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so what's it like in that there, Portugal? <laughs> no! <laughs> There are things we think we know about places. But history, prejudice, stereotypes, and the viral nature of 24-hour news and social media has made common knowledge about faraway places more twisted than ever. Today on Misinformation, we try and clear up some of the outright lies, mistakes, myths, and misnomers of an entire country by doing what we do best. By having a chat with someone who actually knows what they're talking about. In this episode, we're off to beautiful Portugal for some fado, some sweet port, codfish, and maybe even a little Ronaldo to find out if the world has it right about this Iberian treasure trove. And showing us around the facts and the follies today is the one and only Caterina Araujo. She's a glow-popping Lisbon-born marketing specialist and the writer of the excellent travelogue of PortugueseAffair.com which you can now find in podcast form on the Circa app and anywhere you get your podcasts. So we sat down with Caterina in person here in Barcelona while she took time out of a holiday to come and visit us and to take us on a ride through one of the most ancient countries in Europe. What's your name? Caterina Duarte Vieira de Araújo. There you go. Wow. And that's a short name by Portuguese standards. I was going to (laughs) say. 
My parents wanted to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, in Latin America, we do it all the way. If you want, if you're crazy like the Colombians, you go all the way into the grandparents' maternal last names. So if I went full Colombiano, it would be Andres Alejandro Bartos Amorí López Miklos. That sounds like a perfectly normal Latin American name. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem long at all. <laughs> so then, Caterina, where, where were you born? In Lisbon, Portugal. Mm. Only 22 years ago. <laughs> Almost 23. <laughs> but I seem older than I am. <laughs> Catarina, though born in Portugal, moved around a lot. As Mark Twain said, there's no better thing than traveling to kill ignorance, or, as we like to think, to highlight your own weirdness. So I went from Lisbon to the States, then the States to Belgium, Portugal again, where I spent two years and I went to study in the UK. Wow. And where in the States did you guys go? DC. So uh, diplomats? Yes. And hence the Belgian connection too? Yeah. Cool. It's cool. <laughs> no, because I can see something in your eyes where there's like a, there's a spy story going on or something. There's something. Oh my gosh. That. You were not even like the third person who said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have that good passport? Yeah, I did. Mm. Not anymore. I'm old now. Yeah, exactly. I'm 23. <gasps> but you could basically, you could have, you know, Diplomatic murdered immunity. someone in Belgium and gotten away with it. She's like, what do you mean could have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's making a long pause. Look, I'm not going to discuss this. <laughs> this is not why we're here today. <laughs> the Portuguese black widow here. We're not going to talk about any, you know, intelligence activities that may or may not have occurred. And I'm not at liberty to talk about that. A little Portuguese girl in DC who just wanted to fit in soon realized that her people have a very intense, unavoidable relationship with food. When I moved to the States, I went to, you know, I was just going to school normally. And then in Portugal, like little kids would have like this little wicker basket that they would take with their lunches in them. Mm -hmm. And it had like a thermos and it would have like a bunch of other stuff. So you'd have like a hot meal. You would send your kids Like a to little school. red riding hood kind of little basket? Yeah, like a little basket. Okay. Usually like handmade and had like a little, it was very cute. It had a little ribbon, had my name. And then I would go to the States and everybody had these like plastic lunch boxes mm -hmm. with like Lunchables with, like, and like white bread sandwich with like spam mm -hmm. or I don't know. And they would be like, what's in your picnic basket? <laughs> what do you mean? And, I, you know, when you're eight, you just want to, like, fit in, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're the odd one out. But then what happened after a while is everybody at lunch, all the kids would be like, oh, she has, like, stew with oh. rice. And, like, they were like, can I trade some of my lunch for some of your lunch? So, like, I'd be like, okay, yeah, because I just wanted to fit in. And they wanted, like, a nice hot meal with good food. And so everybody won to some degree. I'll give, you, um, I'll give you this Twinkie for some seafood stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll get into food in a while, and often. But first, let's do a little historical gold mining in Portugal. My favorite. Let's do it. Strings, please. A relatively small country west of Spain facing the Atlantic, Portugal has seen the rise and fall of empires and was crucial to the world's exploration of new lands. Celtic and Iberian tribes inhabited the region before the Romans arrived in the 2nd century. 
the Romans, brought with them civilization and left behind impressive structures like the Roman Temple of Evora. In the 8th century, the Moors from North Africa swept through, bringing an Islamic influence. But the Portuguese had other ideas. Led by Alfonso Enriquez, they fought for their independence and in 1139, Portugal became a kingdom, with Enriquez as its king. This set the stage for one of Portugal's most renowned eras, the Age of Discovery. Inspired by Prince Henry the Navigator, Portuguese explorers set sail. They colonized Angola, Cape Verde, Guinea-Bissau, Mozambique, Sao Tomé, and more than 40 other countries spread across Asia, South America, and Africa. This golden age eventually faded due to political instability and conflicts with nearby nations. Uh, France, we're looking at you. In 1910, the Portuguese monarchy was overthrown, leading to the establishment of the First Republic. It endured the dictatorship of Antonio Salazar, which lasted for nearly half a century. And in 1974, the Carnation Revolution brought democracy and freedom. Portugal has since embraced a modern era, joining the European Union and has experienced a boom in economic growth, social transformation, and a forward-thinking humanist approach towards drugs and crime. Nice. All right, turn off the goddamn music. <laughs> Okay, okay, history, history, history. Portugal has two main cities, Lisbon in the south and Porto in the north. The former could be considered the main tourist city, with many more sites, attractions, and museums, but the latter is slightly cheaper, more laid back, breezy, but just as hilly. So what sets Lisbon apart? So there's like a bit of rivalry between Porto, which is the second city, and Lisbon. It's a really cool city. I think I think everybody's kind of discovering that it's kind of this place where like the old world meets like the new world. Not only just like art, music, whatever, but also like startups and everything. So it's kind of mash of like the cool modern with a lot of the cool old stuff. Because everybody seems to be moving there. <laughs> yes, which makes it really unaffordable for us locals. <laughs> problem. I mean, it's, it is very beautiful. Portugal has slowly been attracting people from all over the world to live there, in the major cities, in Lisbon and in Porto. And with world-beating food and wine, a super cheap cost of living, and 300 days of sunshine, it's not too hard to see why a bunch of digital nomads are up and moving there. In fact, the housing rental market has jumped nearly 11% with help from overseas money in just under a year, forcing the government to raise local wages, abolish taxes on necessary goods and services, and implement a monthly 30 euro handout to the country's most vulnerable people. So this rivalry between the two cities, which also sits in the mind of the travelers who visit, and is a full-fledged, self-proclaimed history nerd, Katarina tells us more about the differences between them. In 1755, there was a huge earthquake and tsunami and fire all on the same day. It destroyed a huge part of the city, like tens of thousands of people died, and the city had to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. But now it wasn't rebuilt in that medieval style, it was rebuilt in the 18th century kind of style. Porto was not affected in the same way. So it's very, it's very old, it's very beautiful, and it has that kind of you know, that very kind of medieval feel. They're both very hilly cities, so 
you gotta wear comfortable shoes to walk around for sure. <laughs> seven Seven Hills? Is it Seven Hills? So yeah, Seven Hills supposedly. It's true, guys. Dre is not just a pretty face. Lisbon, much like Rome, was built on seven separate hills. São Roque, São Jorge, São Vicente, São André, Santa Catarina, Chagas, and Santana. But there are a number of people who actually believe it's eight. But that's maybe just to get one over on the Romans. Yeah, what did they ever do for us? The aqueducts. <laughs> Education. Sanitation. <laughs> the roads. <laughs> Second oldest city in the entirety of Europe. It's older than Rome. It's 400 years older than Rome. What? Yeah. It's beaten only by Athens, which I had Those no idea. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's ominous. <laughs> but it's We're weird. coming for you next, Greece. <laughs> but it's so weird because you say like ancient Rome, but you don't say ancient Portugal. Yeah. You, know, you say ancient Greece, ancient Rome, you don't say ancient Portugal, but we're more ancient. You know, I, I think you're hitting on something that is kind of pervasive about Portugal, which is people don't really know anything about Portugal. That's really. why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so living in Spain, we also have a few questions about the rivalry from the locals when it comes to our Iberian neighbors. For the Spanish, Portugal is this kind of afterthought. Yeah. You've noticed this as well. Yeah, it's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to be a little bit offended by it. <laughs> well, it's on, the, it's on the list. I've just, I've got written here... Um, you guys are just Western Spain. I was going to say Spain's taint. Is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> Spain's taint. Which is, I, I, it's, that's horribly offensive. It is. It's also inaccurate. I've heard everything from like being Spain's like little sibling mm. to like, you know, being kind of rejects of like, I've, you know, everything that's offensive I've heard already. All of it. Uh, patronizing. Everything yeah. is patronizing. Mm. And obviously these are just rumors founded by the Spanish and just disseminated, <laughs> clearly. So it appears that the elephant in the room for Catarina is Spain. Number one on the list of ridiculous beliefs proliferated by fools on the internet about Portugal is that Portugal is just tiny little Spain. The culture is the same, the music is the same, the food is the same, and everyone speaks Spanish. No, no, and no. The Spaniards have this feeling this like older sibling horseshit about Portugal. But if you're in Portugal, like the, at least my impression was like way more European somehow. Correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't corrected you. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right. Keep talking nice things you're about Portugal. It? Yeah, I think you're doing great. The feeling was that like. What, you're saying way more intelligent. Yes. Send, uh, send your letters to uh, Andres at... <laughs> Spain. <laughs> I'm right here. Andres at Spain.com. <laughs> Number two on the big list of stereotypes about the Portuguese is not what you might expect. It wasn't what I was expecting, but Dre knew it immediately. <laughs> yeah. I had made some comment to a friend of mine. Uh, after being in Portugal, I was like, there's some um, some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen were in Portugal. And his, his response, you're welcome. <laughs> his response was, yeah, but then like after like 30, they start growing a mustache. Yeah, I shaved just before I came. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> 
this is why you shouldn't lie about your age. You're going to get caught. Um. <laughs> but the stereotype was so in, embedded. And I was like, where did, you, where did you get this from? And he's like, it's just known. It's just is known. this a myth? Is this, one, is this one of the myths I have to dispel? Yes. yes. About Portuguese people being hairy. Correct. It's right up there. It's the top yeah. of Google. If you type in Portuguese stereotype, it is short, fat, and hairy. Fat? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's new to me. Short and hairy, I'll take. No, short and hairy, I've heard. That's why why I added that in. (laughs) Oh, it was you. This is how this is how stereotypes happen. You just blurred something out yeah, for no the, reason. You're like, you're thinking of Albania. I think, yeah. You're thinking of Santa Claus. <laughs> I think we're about as hairy as any other kind of Mediterranean, Southern European country. Really, like we're no hairier than the Greeks. Let's be honest, or the Italians or the That's Spanish. That's the T-shirt. <laughs> we're no hairier than the Greeks. Then Katarina, the very beautiful, smart, slim, and not at all hairy in any way beyond the usual kind of hairy, history buffs us once more with a theory. The reason why Portuguese people have this kind of stereotype of being hairy mm. is supposedly because during World War I, we sent like 50,000 soldiers or whatever to France at one point. Mm-hmm. And apparently the French soldiers thought we were really brave. Mm-hmm. And they called us like poilu, which mm-hmm. is like hairy. Meaning, like, they have hair on their chest. Oh. So it's it's meant to be, like, a euphemism for, like, brave. Or, like, like another way of saying, like, they're brave. Like, they got hair on their chest. Ah, and I don't know if that's where the hairy came from. That's fantastic. That's amazing. And then the Spanish were like, no, they're just hairy. They're like, it's not even the male soldiers who went to fight in World War II. Let's just give the women mustaches. <laughs> so, for the record, they're all very attractive. And according to the internet... Very, very touchy-feely. Number three on the list of big ones about Portugal. I would say so. Yeah? Yeah. I would say we are. We're very in each other's space. Uh I wouldn't say we're the nation that is the most like that, Mm -hmm. like globally. It's not like going to certain, I guess, Anglo-Saxon countries where people are very much like, why did you accidentally touch me this is a huge invasion of my personal space why are you trying to touch me whereas yeah in portugal they're very much like they'll just touch you and you know but not in a weird way just kind of in a very friendly way yeah yeah it took me a long time to get used to it even here people on the street who you've never met before would like hold onto your arm while they're talking to you especially like old ladies yeah and they'd like hold your hand while they're talking to you in the supermarket you're like "Mm -hmm." am i married to you now it's so interesting you say that because i i do find older generations tend to be more like that as well actually Mm. yeah that's true um so it's interesting that you point that out yeah what happened it's but we do do that whole kissing thing as well like when we greet so it's Mm. from how many kisses in Portugal. Two kisses. It's cheek to cheek. It's not lip to cheek. Right. You don't. Yeah, exactly. That's weird. Yeah. That. See, that's not normal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but it's only women with a woman or a man with a woman. The men don't kiss. Right. I think in Love Actually or something where there was like that Portuguese scene. Oh, yeah. They have that and the men are all like kissing each other on the mouth. We don't do that. <laughs> I mean, we do, but they're in a relationship, in a right? Way. Yeah. <laughs> not just like, right. Yeah. Actually involved. Yeah. So we've been hovering around food for a little while. And as is the case when chatting with most Portuguese people, the chat inevitably circles back to incredible dishes of, well, uh, just cod, right? It's just like cod, cod, cod. <laughs> 
<laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> it was the cod. It's the co- cod. It's the cod, cod, saying, cod. The, saying the word cod a lot is kind of funny. Throw ah. <laughs> <laughs> more. Twenty ah. percent of all cod caught around the globe is eaten in Portugal. That's an average of thirty-five kilograms per person per year. They actually call it fiel amigo, the faithful friend. So, cod every day. Cod every day. No. False. (laughs) (laughs) I think we are the world's biggest consumers of cod because we do have so many ways of cooking cod and it's it's amazing. There's even if you're just like, I don't like cod, you will come to Portugal. You will discover one way you will like cod. Mm Because I've met people like that. They're like, I don't eat any fish or I don't eat whatever. I'm like, here, have a patanishka. And they're like, what? What is this? There's no cod in this. I'm like, there absolutely is. And you love it. And like, I want more. Patanishka. So, What's patanishka? Patanishka. Basically like a little cod omelet almost. Oh, okay. So yes and no. <laughs> exactly. So do you get cod hankerings? Like, do you like get a moment... If you haven't had cod for a while, yeah, do you I need little... my fix. Absolutely, yeah. It's like a drug. Once cod. you have, once you have cod, like once a week, every week, or you know, half a year, then you're just hooked for life. It's so good, guys. I can't. It's so good. Now I'm, now I'm craving. Now, where's my cod fix? You guys talk about food way too early. And I know. We'll just end up going. If this was a Portuguese podcast, we'd be kind of eating as we talk. <laughs> The other classic food stereotype for Portugal, in the eyes of the world, is dessert. A canon of little tarts and pastries, which are synonymous with the country. The Spanish are not great at desserts. I think we can say that. They're terrible at desserts, and they're terrible at breakfast. As compared to where you're from, yeah, I understand what you mean. Portugal has some pretty good desserts. Yeah. Why is that? This is where I show you how much of a history geek I am. Um, Let's nerd it up. Come yeah. On. Let's go. A lot of them are based from like these convent suites, which are created by nuns um, who used to starch their habits with the egg whites. So before starch, they used egg whites and they would keep the yolks, water, sugar, and egg yolk is the foundation of like so many of our desserts. Pastéis do Belém comes from this as well? Pastéis de Belém. Pastéis de Belém. You know this. It's like a super, super sweet custard tart. Sweet. It's sweet, but it's not (laughs) super, super sweet. It's not um, crazy. (laughs) Not for a Portuguese person. Yeah, I'm just like, like, that's nothing. (laughs) You should try like Tocinho do Céu or whatever. What's that? It's called Bacon from Heaven. That's what I thought you just said. Tocinho do Céu. Bacon from the sky. Bacon from the sky. From heaven. That's amazing. What is bacon from heaven? It's, again, one of those... I mean, I'm in, no matter what you say. It's just very, very sweet. So you have like a little slice of it, and then you're just on a sugar... Don't give it to kids. (laughs) It's like methamphetamine for children, basically. (laughs) With great desserts often comes great coffee. It's certainly true here, with the average Lisbonite drinking around three espressos per day. But Catarina is perhaps the exception that proves the rule. So I am not a coffee drinker. Mm. Um, I've had one coffee in the last three years. So it's I save it for extreme jet lag. <laughs> like, I didn't even have one today, and I only had like three hours of sleep. I was like, this is not, this is not warrant a coffee. <laughs> I'm obsessed with tea, though, so you'll appreciate that name. Oh, nice. I love tea. The thing about coffee in Portugal is 
it's part of our identity. Like,、mm. like you, you have to have like a coffee. It's so cheap compared to like a lot of other countries, right?、Mm. It's like sixty cents or whatever for a little espresso, and it's strong. But I don't know if it's the best coffee. But I know you're getting like bang for your buck, and it's very common to have like two, three, even. I know people who have had like five espressos a day in Portugal, and it's, and they have one just before bed, and it, it's insane. I did enjoy my coffees in Portugal more than in Italy. Sorry, Dario. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get hate mail now for this. Let's go. There's nothing more overrated in the world than coffee in Italy. Ooh, coming after Italy. Yeah. We'll be back、Sorry. after the break. <laughs> this, is, this is meant to be a pro Portugal podcast episode, not like, like a assault attack against pro Portugal that would just kill everybody else. Just kill、so、the now, competition. Now that we're back, how hairy are the Greeks? <laughs> exactly, we've gotten rid of the Italians, the Spanish, and now let's go after the Greeks. What's going on today? No, I'm I'm enjoying this even more than I expected. I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna have. Be ganged up on, and I just have like two、Aww. allies now. It's awesome. So, with all this food talk about Portugal's classic dishes, there's one masterpiece that stands bread and shoulders above the rest. God damn it, Neil! <laughs> It's a sandwich so insane that seeing it may turn you off the idea of putting anything in between bread ever again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Francesinha. Think of it as like grilled cheese on steroids, and、um, it's like a multi-layered grilled cheese sandwich.、Mm-hmm. But it has like different types of meat in、mm-hmm. it as well, various layers of cheese,、mm-hmm. and then it's all put in the oven.、Mm-hmm. On top of that, they pour this like beer sauce on it, yeah, like a beer gravy, basically. <laughs> yeah, beer gravy. It's like nice and thick. And then sometimes you can even opt to have like a fried egg on top. That's the one I had.、Um. The one I had was a fried egg. Somebody was like, "You got to go try a francesinha." Went to a restaurant, and then of course it's only tourists. So there was these like, just very, very like dainty Japanese,、uh, mostly women, just taking pictures. Like the thing would arrive in front of them, and they would just take pictures of it. Like it was some sort of like. Forensic documentation of can you believe this thing? I mean, some of the worst TripAdvisor photographs I've ever seen. It's insane. It looks, it can look quite beautiful and tasty, but the majority of them are just like, no, it's. Oh it's, my goodness me! You know when <laughs> when you've had <laughs> like really you've smoked like a lot of weed,、mm. and then you start digging around the fridge and、uh, yeah, you yeah. create a like <laughs> you create a, a Frankenstein monster <laughs> basically. In Portugal, like in Spain. One thing that the average traveler might not explore or even pick up on is the whole foodie world of conservas or canned goods. But we're not talking about hot dogs or baked beans here. There are stores in the major cities and towns in Portugal who only sell canned goods. Beautifully retro-looking tins of delicious mackerel, tuna, anchovies, octopus, eel, olives, artichokes, sun-dried tomatoes, and more. The tins are so. Beautiful and like traditionally、designed. they were beautiful. Now they're kind of going all out with them,、mm. but they were already like the traditional ones are so beautiful anyway. It's almost like a shame to open it up,、mm. but they're they're cool gifts and they travel well. And you know if there's like a zombie apocalypse, you can take your tins <laughs> with you and you know you take all the conservas. <laughs> we're we're so ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> We've got everything tinned. We're ready for it. <laughs> Portuguese zombie movie. I'd love to see. I like that. that. Just very kind of melancholic zombies. Yeah, we just be like,、hey. just looking out at the sea. 
like, ah, oh, I could eat some brain right now. Yeah, but what's the point? <laughs> we better get to work on that script. Yeah, but there is a big old stereotype that fits right in here. The world believes the Portuguese are soulful, heavy-hearted, sorrow-filled people. Longing, yearning, pining, hoping. They are words all deeply embedded in the country's personality. There is this idea of, of Portuguese people being quite melancholic, nostalgic, sad, sad, sad souls, deep yeah. souls. Mm. Is there any, any truth to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say this one's it's ding, a, ding, ding. It's yeah. a sad ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> Can you, do you, do you have yeah. a sense why? I, I honestly don't know why. And it's so, it's so interesting because we have the concept of saudade, which is where this whole thing comes from. Yeah. Saudade is how I'd say it. Saudade. In Brazil, saudade. that's how they would say it. Mm. Yeah. Um, has no translation to English. Really supposedly, not. but we kind of get around it. It's basically like a feeling of like longing for something or someone or even it could even be some time. It could be like an abstract concept mm. that you either can't get back or you never knew mm. and you kind of long for it. Oof. And it's it's so intense, it's so deep, and it's part of it is the thought that it, you may never get it again if you did have it, you know. Wow. Um, again, like not just touchy feely. We're very feely feely people. Intense. Yeah. Mm. Emotions wise, it's just something that we, I guess, are born, and we talk about so that like from a very early age, right? Because yeah. you say the way we say "I miss you" is "tenho saudade." It's kind of nice. It it is really nice. I'm as an old romantic kind of. But it also does sound like the next Charlie Kaufman movie. <laughs> Perhaps a little of this heavy-heartedness comes from Portugal's own music, fado. Some say it came from Africa in the 19th century and was adopted by the poor on the streets of Lisbon. Or perhaps it started at sea as the sad, melodic songs created by homesick sailors and fishermen. Whatever its origins, fado's themes have remained constant. The hopelessness of love, failing destiny, betrayal, murder, reveling in death, and embracing the wailing despair. Catchy. <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy Fado? I do. You do? And actually, my grandfather was a Fado composer. No. Yeah, for real. And he actually taught Amalia Rodrigues, which is our most famous Fado singer of all time. A song for a movie that she was in. It's called Capas Negras. It's from like I think like 1940 something. Oh wow! And um, maybe early 50s. They're they're basically the same age. I think she might have been a year younger or whatever. So they're complete contemporaries. And um, that she was very quick. She was very talented. And um, but yeah, and you can like I still watch it. You can watch it on YouTube as well. And uh, it was like a love song he wrote for my grandmother. And it's wow. called Feitiçaira, which means like sorceress. And oh, seeing it live, and if it's like a good performer singing and a good performer like playing, then it's like a whole, you know, different. Just everybody crying. No, everybody's eating usually. <laughs> <laughs> We're eating our feelings. Um, <laughs> Custard tarts. Yeah, just like I need dessert now. <laughs> that was a really sad one. <laughs> Don't get too sad or start eating your feelings just yet. We'll be back after this short break with Roosters, Ronaldo, the three Fs, sayings, and much, much more. Oh, and also a quick reminder before we go to a break to head over to the App Store to download the Circa app on iOS. 
Every episode of Misinformation and Passport are there, as well as tons of other travel shows and our beautiful guide series. There's extra features such as maps, favorites, photos, plus an incredible concierge service to connect you with local people on the ground to answer your questions in real life and in real time, anywhere you want to travel, including Portugal. We'll be right back in a minute. Hi, everyone. Circa's recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Faith, honesty, justice, and good luck are the pillars of Portuguese culture. And for some reason, they're embodied in an unofficial national symbol, which you will see all over the country. What's the deal with Go. roosters? <laughs> <laughs> What's not the deal with roosters? <laughs> it is a good question, though. I had the same feeling. I'm like, how did this happen? I didn't realize this was a thing until I did. And yeah. then I was like, oh, yeah. You kind of think about it. You get to the airport and you're like, what's going on with the roosters? <laughs> you guys, this is a perfect opportunity to like diss France, okay? Because they have the rooster as well, right? Ah, it's true. So, but it's different. So ours is different. Ours comes from like a legend. The legend hails from a place called Bercelos, which is in northern Portugal. Okay. And there's different versions, obviously, of the legend, because otherwise it's not a legend, it's history. Um, <laughs> but there was supposedly, like, this man who was accused of having, like, stolen something or, like, committed, like, some sort of horrible crime. And supposedly he was sentenced to death, even though he didn't have death sentences for theft. And he asked, you know, the local magistrate for clemency and the guy said no and he said if i'm innocent that rooster that you're eating will come alive and you know crow cool so it's not necessarily like the rooster like you know el gallito as you would say in spanish yeah. the, the no. chest out showing off trying to it's not like the french one exactly <laughs> <laughs> the French one is coming, so, coming after friends next. It's the Nando's. And then it's Greece, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be said that the other national icon of Portugal is a rooster in human form. A man both hated and revered. A superstar with a neck of epic proportions propping up a tiny, pretty little head. A football player who was named after Ronald Reagan. Yep. We're talking about a successful businessman who has a museum dedicated to himself in Madeira, Portugal. In fact, the Cosmos Redshift Galaxy, or CR7, was also named after him by NASA and the University of Lancaster. We've produced one really good soccer player. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, yeah, what's his name? Yeah. Fernaldi? Fernaldo. <laughs> Fibonacci. <laughs> he's called like every other person in Portugal. He's either Miguel or João. Like. <laughs> so what is, since we're on this subject, what is Ronaldo's reputation in Portugal? Oh, we love him. I mean, he is part of the reason why people know of Portugal. Like you go abroad, especially like really like faraway countries. Yeah. And you go, they ask you where you're from. You say Portugal, and like Ronaldo, mm. whatever. And you're just like, that's one. Do you know anything else about it? Rooster. Rooster. <laughs> Codfish? Vasco da Gama? Like. Kind of, kind of a, he's kind of a rooster. He, he, he has like a roostery energy. Ronaldo. Cristiano. Yeah. I've looked into his eyes too. 
You've looked into his one eyes. On, one on one. Yeah. And there's, there's, With so that, there's definitely something going many, on in there. How many kisses did you is. give him? None. <laughs> he did None. not allow it. He was like, men don't do this in Portugal. <laughs> he has a weird vibe. He's got, the, he's got crazy eyes. Crazy eyes? He's got oh. crazy eyes. And I don't know if it's I hope that's like, not one of the questions about, like, do Portuguese people have crazy eyes? <laughs> Are you hairy with crazy that, eyes and mustaches? Is there. <laughs> now that you mention it, what's up with the crazy eye? Now? Wistful crazy eyes. <laughs> Ronaldo's statue in, what's, where's oh, the museum? Yeah. Is it? In Funchal, Madeira. That statue is something special. Is it still up? Did they fix it? I don't think it got fixed. I would have. I don't think there's any fixing. <laughs> there is no who, amount of restoration that could. For people who don't know, it's it's a statue that was unveiled of, of Ronaldo, that looks absolutely nothing like. Ronaldo. Well, and the way I described it to you earlier was it looks like it was generated by AI. Like they <laughs> yeah. asked AI, make me a statue right. of Ronaldo. <laughs> exactly. Didn't get the hands. He's got three chins. The face is smiling maniacally. <laughs> That's what he actually you, looks like in real life. Yeah. So now I'm starting to think that maybe the sculpture actually did <laughs> capture him perfectly. It is true that music, football, and religion reign supreme in Portugal. So in Portugal, we had this like traditional kind of saying, like the three Fs, which is like football, fado, and Fatima, which oh. are like the three things that Portuguese people like care about, which is like soccer, fado music, and Fatima, which is like the three things the three that... Like define our culture and like historically and everything. It absolutely defines kind of things that are so quintessential mm, for really cool. our country. Did you, did you change the flag to like a you know the green and red with a with a black rooster on it with three Fs shaking? <laughs> so with all this history, music, exploration, this ancient place must be filled with storytellers and creators, and we were right here talking to one of them. So we thought. We'd get serious for a second and ask, are you guys storytellers? We're artists. That's what we are. I think yeah. we're more artistic than scientific. Yeah, right? We have that explorer side. Mm, and yeah. but, oh my gosh, it just reminds me so much of like this one quote from uh, Fernando Pessoa. Oh, of course. Frank Person. I'm going to try to like personally Frank, recite the Frank poem Pessoa. in my head That's in Portuguese his... and translate it into English. <laughs> <laughs> quote coming promptly. <laughs> O mar salgado, quanto teu sal são lágrimas de Portugal. That's like the opening line, which is, O salty sea, how much of your salt are Portugal's tears? Oh, That's really nice. Damn, son. We're not, like, emotional at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that, that leads me quite tightly onto something. I said we'd only be serious for a second. In Portugal, it's illegal to do a we in the sea. Really? No. It's, Come on. it's illegal to pee in the ocean. Oops. Come no. on. What, you just look out at the ocean, you're like, that dude, that person right there. That yeah, the guy was just staring back like this. The one who's got the look. Are you Are you for real? Is how much, how real? much of the, How much of your tears are other people's wee-wees? <laughs> then again, the brilliant Katarina. Knowledge busts our public urination law with a brilliant theory. It's We have the saying which is called Pera English Ver. Um, which is basically like, it's just like a law or something that exists just as a facade that no one so, actually follows so in practice. So the English can so see the it? English can see it because we have like this long alliance yeah. with the Brits. And um, <laughs> so we just were like, oh, well, they don't agree with us doing that. So let's just make a law. No one needs to follow <laughs> it. But it's there. And the Brits can say, see... Our allies have this law, so it's it's all proper. 
And we're like, that's right, wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So go right ahead. Take a pee in the Atlantic while in Portugal, free in the knowledge that the only people you're pissing off, literally, are the Brits. So, drinks? Anyone for port? I believe we voiced our weird relationship with this fortified wine before. It's produced in the Douro Valley of northern Portugal, but I'm slowly coming around to it. And, yeah, Neil's trying to convince me. Um, the typically sweet, strong red wine, often served with dessert, also comes in dry, semi-dry, and white, which is killer with tonic. That, I can get behind. So, port. All day, every day? Port. Ooh. What about thing? You decide. Question mark? <laughs> I don't love port, right? but there are people who really do. And I actually, I like a port tonic, which is like, yeah, it's basically like a Pims kind oh, nice. of um, yeah. meets a gin and tonic meets port. English and me is coming out. Yeah, right. As well. It's uh, like summertime. Uh, uh, Pims. Fancy Pims. Lovely. <laughs> After the coronation. <laughs> you got to, with your little finger out like this. Porto has a more, that. At least I felt that the English influence is way because yes. it was such a port. Port for me was always like a very, very, very British thing. Yeah, it is. It's it like is a, it? you have it on Christmas or yeah, whatever. Like the yeah. term "tawny port" is the most British fucking <laughs> phrase you can imagine. Tawny port. Tawny port. So I just learned that you know Portugal gave England port and tea. That's two massive portions of British personality. Exactly. Thanks and I asking. think that's why England and Portugal have been friends for so long. <laughs> Pretty much. Port. Port and tea. Yeah. And also, cod. Fish and chips. I mean, British. Yeah, no, it's, it's true now that you say it. This friendship between the UK and Portugal is a special one. In fact, the Anglo-Portuguese alliance is the oldest in known history, still politically enforced. The Treaty of Windsor was signed on May 9th, 1386, between the Kingdom of Portugal and the Kingdom of England over 630 years ago. That's more than six centuries of tea, fish and chips, and port. Cheers, Portugal. All right, so before we get to some silly speed rounds of words, sayings, and specialties, let's shoot the elephant in the room. Colonialism. Because of all the colonies, there's all this kind of like, you know, Angola, Brazil, Macau, like all these places that have this relationship with Portugal. But then Portugal, it's not like it's, it's not the same feeling you get like in Brazil, where Brazil, you got that melting pot gumbo feel of like all the cultures got cooked here. It's almost like Portugal has held on to its own thing, but is, I don't know how to describe it. Am I making any sense right now? (laughs) I think so. Portugal was a, is a, is it was the gateway between South America and Europe. I mean, it Africa. brought right. and Africa brought potatoes, brought chilies. It's it's had enough of its own history for you know yeah. a second oldest. I'm yes. making less sense than you, but it, well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like it's a small country that somehow has held on to its character. But the other thing is, I also think you know we had all this influence in these other places all over the world, mm-hmm. but. We don't, and we're proud of it, but we don't like brag about it. Like we don't make it super obvious, Mm. right? 
other countries be like, oh, well, we were there and that happened. And and now you have to think like we don't go to the British and be like, you can thank us for your tea. I mean, I do with my English friends, <laughs> but that's just me You're being. Welcome. Yeah. I'm like, you were so welcome. This, this cream tea we're having now, it wouldn't even be possible. <laughs> well, now it's time for one of our faves. Me and Neil destroying the Portuguese language. Well, mostly Neil. Hey. Hey. When I speak Portuguese, it's basically just Spanish with a really bad Portuguese accent. I, I apologize. Your Portuguese is better than Neil's. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Every accent. You're Swedish. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Perfection. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> even your English accent isn't even that English. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here we go. Portuguese sayings. Cafuné, Brazilian. Yeah, mean, I know that one, actually. What does it mean? A, a co- little caress, like running your fingers through someone's hair, oh, like things like that. Oh, like that's little, nice. But being really is that sad, what, is that what it being says? being really sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Portuguese version. It's the Portuguese Yeah, we don't, they don't have that in Brazil. It's running tears. your hands through someone's hair while they're crying. <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite sweet like, if i'm crying i would want somebody to run their fingers through my hair and make me feel better i think i do that every day almost to yourself to myself <laughs> <laughs> you caffeinate yourself self-caffeinating ir como porcos go with the pigs yeah it's yeah it, it does mean to die we have lots of my favorite to one to die is actually <laughs> Wow. To give the master fart. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. How do you say that? Dar o mestre. The master fart. Yeah. Is when you shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah. It's like wow. your, your one last you big one fart. Last, one last fart. The master fart. <laughs> there's it's lots beautiful. of, yeah, there's lots of random ways to say dead in Portuguese. So, Can you yeah. tell us some other ones? Because that one is wonderful. Um, Some muitos anos a virar frangos. <laughs> Something to do with chickens. Frangos is an amazing word for chicken. <laughs> frangos. Yeah, that's a common one. It just means you've been doing something for a long time. You're experienced. Yeah. You get 10,000 hours of flipping chickens. Yeah, you get good at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the same my first rodeo kind of thing, you know? Tirar o cavalinho da chuva. So to get the horse out of the rain. The little horse the out little of the horse. rain. Yeah. So what does it mean? Yeah, keep dreaming kind of thing. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go to Bora Bora for a week. I'm hoping to get flights for like 300 euros return. And I'd be like, yeah, tiro cavaling the shuva. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, it's never going to happen. Good luck getting that yeah. little horse out of the rain. Yeah, take your little that's horse no out sense. of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually, it's so interesting too. Like, it doesn't even, in my mind, I'm like, why is it a little horse, yeah. right? It's very specific. And the reason is, right, mm-hmm. because Portuguese people use diminutives for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, so how do you do it? Like, so like my cousin, like Antonio, mm-hmm. he's Tuningo, which means like little Tony, you know? Like, <laughs> hey, little Tony. <laughs> what do you want from me? You want a French Tuningo? Tuningo. Little Tony. <laughs> a special yeah. place around the corner. Yeah, or like <laughs> o Joãozinho or Trezinha or whatever. Like everybody is like got a little name. Like, I mean... A francesinha, the most go. monstrous sandwich ever created. A little, fr- a little, little francis. Just little a little Frenchy. <laughs> Just doused in beer with five different types, <laughs> types of meat. Yeah, basically. Oh, he's so cute. But yeah, so the little horsey in the rain. Bopantar macacos. Go comb monkeys. 
we have a lot we have a few ways of saying like get out of here and yeah it's kind of like that another one is vaishatyar kamoish kamoish is like our great it was like our shakespeare ah. it means like go bother kamoish like okay. don't bother me like so like there's lots of like random ways we say like we have a lot of idioms and things so. go go talk to shakespeare yeah all right, guys, so let's get this little horse out of the rain. Let's swallow that frog and go bother Camoish. What does Katarina feel is the biggest myth about Portugal? I think the fact that we have a very, that we're, we have a very separate identity to Spain mm. and we're not an inferior Spain or a less known Spain for whatever. I mean, we're a less known country. We're not a less known Spain, you know? Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's like the big one because Spain has great PR, you know, whatever, Who did, yeah. whoever did their PR did a great job. Mm. And I think hopefully this episode and some other information out there will kind of set the record straight that we are unique. We have some similarities for sure, but we're a completely different country. We're an older country and we're actually a more homogenous country. That's great. And our women are more beautiful. Mm. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Up until they turn 35. Z- zero hair. <laughs> You said 30 before, but I like that we're going up. (laughs) I like it. Next episode's like, until they're 55. 55. (laughs) Portugal invented the microphone shield, the wheelchair lift, ATMs, automated motorway tolls, the ukulele, the vindaloo curry, tempura, and of course, the chart of latitudes and the mariner's astrolabe which aided ages of discovery for the world. Portugal is a country hitting above its weight. We're definitely not a perfect country, but we have a lot of good stuff going for us. And I definitely appreciate it more now after having lived abroad. And I have Saudade for Portugal. Yeah. It's even, even when I was living abroad and enjoying it, you know, you always have this sense of Saudade that kind of brings you home. And like one of our symbols, apart from the rooster, is like the swallow, because they always come back and nest in the exact same location. And so, and it's very traditional to have them in your home, these like little ceramic um, swallows. swallows. Ah, that's really sweet. That's so, lovely. Get out of here. It's you're like, yeah. you're making me tear Are we going to cry in ocean <laughs> now? <laughs> Cue the fado. <laughs> yeah. So, Portugal. With your rugged coastline and your hilly towns, with your 300 days of sunshine and your love of the sea, a small percentage of which is definitely tears and urine. You're a constantly surprising nation. Whenever you meet another Portuguese person abroad, you have this instant, like, it doesn't matter, like, what your political party is, what your religion is, what part of the country you're from. You immediately like get like if, like if I'm in London and I go to a restaurant and the owner's like Portuguese and there's not a table, right? I could basically <laughs> call in like a favor from some. It's that could be an exaggeration situation, but that could also like happen yeah, as well. Yeah. So depending on the situation. So and I've had that. I've said, oh, you're so and so. Oh, I'm Portuguese too. No way. Can you help me out here? And they go, yeah. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> so it's kind of really cool because we because I think there's so few of us. We're not. We're not like the Icelandics where we're like extremely rare, right? Mm. And we're all related. But we're like close enough related that we're like, you're part of the club. I'm part of the club. Let's help each other out because you're going to help me and then I'm going to help you. And that's how it works. So 
I think it's a really cool feeling. I really enjoy it. That's really nice. I'm a very nice person. (laughs) (laughs) That was lovely. That was great. In 2023, the Expat Insider put Portugal in the 10th spot out of 53 countries in Europe to live based on quality of life. It feels like they really do know how to enjoy life at a slower pace, a happier pace, even if there is a little sorrow thrown in there for good measure. Wow, thank you. You're so welcome. No, thank you, guys. This was really fun. Did I need to curse more? No. You can. We'll add some in. I love to. Do we have a reputation for being like foul mouths? We. It depends who we're talking to. I guess. We get foul mouthed according to who we're with. I think we did very well here. I think. I think you guys were great. Twice. twice. Yeah, no. I I know. I was like, I I thought it was because I'm like a woman. You guys are being like, oh, Oh, it's the company of (laughs) Wait till you hear Mexico. My God. Can we get a picture? Yeah, like my. Let's do thing? it. Yay! From my. Ready? Okay, I need to get Three, higher up because I don't want to be the two, short Portuguese person. One. Testies. Testies, testies. One, two, three. Neil and Andres have tasked me with a nearly impossible mission to tell you my top five things to do in Portugal. I decided to make five not obvious recommendations, which is why places like Lisbon and Porto are not on my list. Number one, go to the Azores. I can't recommend this one enough. If you love nature and don't mind a little island hopping, there's so much to do on this gorgeous archipelago. Go on nature hikes, take a boat trip to go whale and dolphin watching, and explore all the hot springs and volcanoes and lagoons everywhere. Oh, and don't forget to end your day with a well-earned and delicious meal, because the food out there is so good. Number two, stay in a Posada de Portugal. This chain uses historic buildings such as estates, palaces, convents, and even castles for its hotels. They're found all over the country, And if you're a big history geek like me, then you'll love staying somewhere steeped in history. Number three, check out the coast. Definitely drive or walk or bike or run along the coast. Just any coast. But also, stop for a bit and soak it all in. Portugal's coastlines are beautiful, so you can't really go wrong. And don't assume the best coastlines are in the Algarve just because that's where everybody goes to the beach. The Sudwest area between Lisbon and the Algarve, for example, is stunning. Number four, natural parks. Okay, yes, this is a bit vague, but no matter which part of the country you're in, there's always going to be a natural park or a natural reserve near you. Pena de Jerez National Park is a particularly beautiful one, which I highly recommend. Now, for those of you who just want to get away from it all, number five is for you. Go way inland to discover traditional Portuguese villages known as Aldeias Históricas, which include villages such as Piadão and Monsanto. And for other off-the-beaten-track places, check out the Aldeias de Xisto, the Schist villages. Now, before you rewind what I just said, that's S-C-H-I-S-T. The interior of Portugal is where you go to get away from it all and just disconnect from the 21st century. It's probably the closest thing we have to time travel. And yes, of course you can find incredible, authentic food out there. 
So, Andres, Neil, after these five recommendations, I look forward to seeing you in Portugal real soon. To everyone else, I hope this list inspires you to explore parts of my country that you never even knew existed. Wherever you end up, I hope you eat well, drink well, and savor every single moment. That's it for this week, guys. Huge thanks to Katarina for spending the evening with us and indulging our misinformed minds. Check out her tremendous writing on Portugal at aportuguesaffair.com. So there's a load of incredible stories on everything that Portugal has to offer. We highly recommend it. And keep an eye out in the Circa app or anywhere you get your podcasts for Katarina's own Portuguese Affair podcast, which is out now from Circa. We'll be back really soon with a bunch of special episodes very close to mine and Andres's hearts. We'll let you figure those ones out. See you next time on Miss Infonation. And remember, if you think it's a stupid question, it probably isn't. This episode of Misinformation was written by me, Neil Innes, and Andres Bartos. Huge thanks again to Katarina for her 365 recipes for cod and her musings on her own beautiful home of Portugal. Remember, the Circa app is available now at the App Store, a beautifully designed one-stop shop for travel audio, which gives you access to extra information, photos, and maps for the places mentioned in this episode. Plus, all of our Circa guides for London, Barcelona, LA, Paris, Rome, New York City, Costa Rica, Hawaii, Iceland, and more. Also, our one-of-a-kind concierge service, which lets you contact local people anywhere you want to travel. No bots, just people. Misinformation is mixed and mastered by Julian Kuzneski. Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Avi Glijanski are eating their feelings to some powerful fado right now. They also executive produce the show, which is hosted by me and a man who has well over 10,000 hours of flipping chickens, but still constantly pees in the ocean. Andres Bartos. We'll see you in the next place. <laughs>